0: So I'm actually recording at not not late at night. Obviously, it is more light in the background today. I'm recording this at 11 a.m. on Thursday. Usually, do I do a full game recap episode, but for today, I'm bringing on Adam Gretz of Pennsburg and Pro Hockey Talk, where you get into everything regarding the Penguins' Regino suspension, Brian Dumoulin's bad play, the playoffs coming up, and so much more that's coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the
1: Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter Hunter Hody. So all the show's Twitter at Penguins. So joining me now is Adam Gretz from Pro Hockey Talk in Pennsburg. And I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a while, Adam. Glad that you can finally come on. A uh, big game for the Penguins tonight against the New York Islanders. They'll try to avenge what the heck happened in overtime in the shootout from last game where they kind of just basically deserved to lose, <laughs> I felt like, with that power play and then the shootout where I think they're just kind of trying to abolish it. Um, What what did you overall think about that game? And what do you think the Penguins have to do tonight to come out on the better side of the result? I I mean, personally, I just think if the game doesn't go to a shootout, they have a great
1: chance. (laughs) Yeah. They they seem to have a a very obvious contempt for the shootout. They they just very, just slowly skate down the middle of the ice and just kind of put it on net and hope for the best. And um, you know, that's nothing new. I, I thought the thing that was really frustrating about the game on Tuesday was the power play in overtime. Uh pretty much from the time New York took that penalty, everything was just a disaster. They almost put the puck in their own net, uh on the on the delayed penalty, which would have it almost would have been a more satisfying way to lose in the way they lost. <laughs> because um but then, you know, that happens. Then they get the power play that they just totally squander. It was just a, a terrible power play. Um, probably one of the worst four on three overtime power plays you're ever going to see. Just nobody would shoot the puck. Nobody would take a shot. Nobody would take a chance. Um, but I thought the thing that stood out about that game, and this has been kind of something that stood out the past couple games, is they have really been struggling to get out of their own defensive zone. Um I thought the Islanders were kind of all over them most of the night. They forced a lot of turnovers. Two of the Islanders' goals came off of just really bad turnovers um, that just gave them wide-open guys for wide-open chances. And the, you know, the, the Brian Dumoulin play along the wall is the one that I think everybody noticed. Um, but uh, I think it was the Islanders' third goal late in the second period, or late in the first period, I'm sorry, late in the first period, yep. where Teddy Blueger just kind of – threw the puck into the middle of the ice. He, he basically set the guy up for a one-timer. And, you know, those types of plays, I, I think they, I think Mike Sullivan refers to them as hope plays, where you, you just kind of hope the result um, goes the way you want it to go. You just kind of chip it off the glass, chip it off the boards, and hope it goes the where you want it to go. But what's been happening a lot lately is it's going to the other team or it's going for an icing, and you're still back in the defensive zone. So I think teams that have have been able to get on the Penguins quickly with their forecheck and, and and have a lot of speed have given them some problems. You know, Carolina's given them some problems. Florida's given them some problems. And the way the Islanders play, um, that gave them some problems on Tuesday night. So I, I think for me, that's the big area they kind of have to, to to focus on right now. I think if you take care of that, a lot of the other problems you think they have kind of go away. Um, You're not going to be defending as much. You're going to be in the offensive zone more. Uh, Goaltending becomes less of a factor. If you're controlling the puck in the offensive zone, you're more likely to get on the power play. So um, they fix that. I think a lot of these other problems kind of fix themselves. But I I think that's the big thing I want to look for in this game.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. You know, I think you described it. You know, they're playing the defensive zone. They were kind of doing the, I think your tweet was the Rob Scuderi chip off the glass play and hoping that they're A, not jumping up to deflect the puck down or B, not going against the boards to just keep it in the zone because I felt like, you know, the Penguins were doing that a lot. And, you know, that does bring me a little bit to Brian Dumoulin here, Adam. What a, you know, start out the season rough, turned it around a bit, actually looked like the Brian Dumoulin that I've seen you know, so much since 2016. And, you know, you look at the numbers on natural stat trick at 5v5. I mean, you know, his. I think his expected goals score percentage is 52%. Um, scoring chances, it's right around 55. Um, shot attempts, though, right around 50%. But, you know, eye test-wise, um, he hasn't been right for most of this season. And, you know, you touched on that play. It was the 4-3 to three goal in the third period where it was a simple slap shot dump in from, I think it was Andy Green – who had it and Dumoulin just somehow misplays it, goes into the corner, not even a weird bounce. And then Josh Bailey of all people who has not had a good year for the Islanders, but still kills the Penguins because that's what he does. He's the new Jordan um, Everly. Yeah. <laughs> Deeks, Casey to Smith. Penguins are lucky that, you know, Jeff Carter is able to tie it up on the power play. Um, just, what is what has gone wrong for him? Is is this injury? Is it all performance? Because I simply can't get a handle on it. I also personally think if the Penguins do clinch tonight, I mean they will clinch, I think sooner rather than later. They need to rest him for I think most of these games down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I I, I think he's he's pretty concerning because he's at that age where players of of his skill set kind of deteriorate. Hmm. Um, they don't really, they don't age gracefully in their play. And I, I think there's a pretty sudden drop off with that. And I think we might be starting to see that happen. You know, I mean, I'm sure he, he's probably not a hundred percent. Um, but he's been so good for so long and so mm-hmm. stable and so reliable. It's, it's, it's jarring to, to, notice him so much because when he was at his best you didn't notice him he's one of those players that you don't want to notice him because if you see him if you notice him play that means something's probably going wrong for him and he's standing out a lot more this year and I just I just worry with some of the plays he's making, you know, he, he never used to be a guy that just had to chip the puck off the glass to get it out of the zone. He could skate a little bit. He could he could make a good first pass out of the zone. He could do all those things. That's what made him such a good partner for Chris LeTang for so long was that, he, yeah, he was a solid defensive player that could complement him in that way, but he could also do enough other things with the puck that it didn't hold tank back. And now all of a sudden, a lot of that seems to be gone. And I just worry that maybe we're starting to see um, the beginning of the end of him as a, as a, as a really high end player. And it's a problem because I don't think he's a guy you're going to take out of the lineup. I mean, he, he's not a guy that's going to be the odd man out. It's going to be Mark Friedman. It's going to be Marcus Peterson. Those are the guys that are going to sit and you don't want to have that type of, of, I don't want to use the word liability. I think that's too harsh Because I I don't think he's at that level yet. But in a playoff series, good teams are going to exploit any weakness you have over a seven-game series. And I think back to that first Penguins-Stanley Cup run back in 2016, that first-round series against the Rangers. Every time Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi were on the ice, the Penguins just crushed them. They just absolutely crushed them because they couldn't keep up. And teams will find that weakness in a seven game series and they will go at it. And I I agree with you that I think they should be resting him some nights. I honestly think they should probably rest Crystal Tang some nights as well. Um, You know, that's a thing that, of all the sports that could use load management and resting players. I think hockey is the one where it makes the most sense, but hockey is also the one that will be the last one to do it because there's that pride factor and there's that, oh, we have to, we're, we're tough. We, we, we can play through this. Um, it's just not going to happen. But I, I think some of these veteran guys, um, they could use the occasional night off to be fresh for what is hopefully a long playoff run. So I, I definitely think once they clinch, it should probably sit him a little bit. And, and I think you have to have a very real discussion this offseason about whether or not he's the guy you try to move. Um, I know, you know, Pedersen and Marino have, have long-term contracts and maybe they haven't quite developed the way you want them to develop. But I think there's still more upside there. And, and, and I just worry about what Dumoulin's going to look like next season. So it's definitely a concern. It's not a guy you've ever had to be worried about these past six or seven years. But I think now you do a little bit.
0: Yeah, the the Penguins are gonna have some really tough decisions, I think, on that blue line um this summer. Cause you know, going into it, I think a lot of people even thought Matheson for one point was maybe the one to get moved. Now he's playing at a very high level. I've seen the takes that, oh wow, maybe he could replace Crystal Tang. No, that's just that's not true because <laughs> Chris Tang is a better defensive defenseman, and he can do things with the puck that Matheson simply can't. And Matheson
1: also can't take top pairing minutes. So, um, or special teams minutes. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I really like Mike Matheson. I like the way he's played this season. I, I, I think he's, he, he's a fun player because there's always something happening when he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. But I think people forget we've seen what happens when he's the top defenseman on a team. Yes. And that was in, and we have like five years of that evidence in Florida when he was playing 22 minutes a night and he was one of the top guys. It didn't go well. It's one of the reasons he became available in a trade. And I think the Penguins have found a nice sweet spot for him where they can shelter him a little bit. They can utilize his strengths. They can take advantage of his skill and his talent. And his weaknesses aren't exposed too much. I think they found the right spot for him. And I wouldn't mess with that.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't either. You know, I know he's yeah. taking top pairing minutes with Crystal Tang right now. It is the right move for at least a little bit. He's head. not the top guy. Uh, yeah, he, no, he, exactly. Yeah. He's, the, he's the number guy, yeah. two. Crystal Tang will do what he does because that's just who he is. I know he had a rough game last game, but that's not the norm for,
1: yeah, for him.
0: Don't worry, Adam. I have a. I always have sometimes some small rants on the anti latang people because it just it's it's something else to say. To a people. lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there's way too many. Um, still a lot more to get to for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, including you know getting Malkin suspension and of course the playoffs right around the corner. But before we get to that. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the MLB season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wager information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more, more about the trends and the action that is BetOnline, where the game starts. We're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, Hunter So You can follow the show's Twitter, lons My Twitter right there is at Hunter Hodes. So, Adam, we'll just we'll get this out of the way here with the Evgeny Malkin suspension. You know, for me, rightfully deserved. Uh, you can't be just cross-checking people in the face with your stick right there. Um, he's done – I mean, he's gotten suspended before. He has to just know the situation that he's in course this is going to bring out the conspiracy crowd by saying well the penguins are not consistently punished and they get all the calls and you know all this stuff that really nobody can prove and whatever um what was your assessment on the malkin suspension because you know i also think for me it's it it, it obviously has a lot of negative but if there's one small positive that is that he gets right
1: for the playoffs i think yeah i i thought it was is Definitely justified. I thought it was one of the rare, one of the rare times where the Department of Player Safety pretty much got it right. Um, you know, we saw Austin Matthews get the two-game suspension for cross-checking uh, in the outdoor game against Buffalo. Walkin um, got those two games, and then he got the extra two games for having a prior history because you know he's been he got suspended once before, and he has a fine both for stick incidents. Um, like, I mean, when you, when you it's the third time you've been called for it. Um, you're going to get hit a little bit harder. And I thought maybe three games, I thought he was going to get the two games that Matthews got and then the additional game for having a prior record. They gave him four. I'm fine with that. I think in, in terms of suspensions, the league should always be heavier handed as opposed to lighter handed. I, you know I, I don't... I don't think suspensions have enough teeth of them these days. And I I think you have to take this thing seriously. I think when you hit guys hard, that's when the, 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 the behavior changes. I think that's why a guy like Brad Marchand keeps doing what he does because he hasn't gotten that big suspension yet. Say what you want about Tom Wilson, but ever since he got that huge suspension for the Oscar Sundquist hit, you don't see him in the news as much. You don't see him, Toe in the line as much. I know he had the incident last year at Madison Square Garden with, with Panarin, but he hasn't been blindsiding people. He hasn't been, you know, we haven't seen the big headshot that that we saw so many of in a short period of time because he missed 20 games. You take guys out, they're gonna get the message. So I, I have no problem with the league going a little bit heavier on Malkin. Um, it, it, it had to be suspended, had to be significant. It was just a stupid play. I mean, you, you can't do that. Um, I'm not even sure what really caused it. like it was, it was just it was just kind of like him losing his mind for a minute and um, you know you, you just can't do that, not in that situation, even in that game situation. like you, you can't put yourself down shorthanded there. Um, so I, I have no problem with it. I do think, you know, him having, you know, basically, a, you know, two weeks off here <laughs> to, to get some rest. Um, you know, I, I kind of hate to look at it that way because he did do something stupid. But there is a, that, that silver lining where he does get some time off. Um, you know, he, he's coming back from pretty major injury. You know, he's in his mid-30s. Um, you know, you hope for a long playoff run. You want him to be fresh. And now you got a chance to do that. But I, I have no problem with the suspension. He's got to be more composed in those situations because, you know, teams aren't dumb. They know what buttons to push. They know whose buttons to push. And you can bet they're going to do that in the playoff series. And um, if you play the Rangers, they have a lot of guys that are capable of doing that. So got to keep things in check. Uh, I'm fine with the suspension. Um, You know, it had to happen.
0: Yeah, and, you know, especially the situation at the time, in like tied game going into the third. You're trying to break your losing streak. Like, that could have given the game away. You know, Nashville scores on that power play. And honestly, (laughs) you know, the Penguins are lucky it wasn't a four-minute power play because they actually took Borowiecki to the
1: penalty box. Yeah, I don't know what he did. I don't know know what
0: he got a penalty for. It was crazy. I just, like, I feel like NHL officiating makes it up as they go along. It's It's just like a bunch of clown emojis or something every time this this stuff comes up i just i i don't get it um
1: yeah uh, but go it's it's i mean there's the obvious even up calls um there's the obvious you know we don't want to decide the game so we're going to let them play um but then there's just incidents like that that just make no sense like you know as much as I disagree with it, I at least understand where the even up mindset comes from. I understand where the let them play mindset comes from. Um, it's stupid. It shouldn't be, but I it at least makes some degree of sense. A situation like that, taking both guys there and not giving Nashville a four minute power play or even a five minute, if we're being honest here, it probably should have been a five minute power play. Yeah. Situations like that, I'm at a loss for words with them, like how they get called and why they get called. It's just, it's insane. And it's, it, you know, to me, the officiating problem is still one of the biggest things that holds the league back in terms of, I agree in terms of, of, of building viewers and gaining fans, because you have this great sport and this. And right now the league is just swimming with, with amazingly talented players that could be really exciting And we're coming to a point in the season now where the game should be getting better. And the style of play is going to just plummet because of the way it's officiated. And we're going to cater to the third and fourth liners instead of the superstars. And that's why I've always said, you know, playoff hockey is great for the drama and the suspense and the intrigue and the pressure of, of elimination and your season ending. But the style of play, the quality of play, I don't think is better than the regular season. I think regular season games tend to have a better quality of play because it's not a wrestling match on ice. So, you know, that's my that's my officiating rant for the day. <laughs> uh, and it was – your tweet the other night
0: was funny because they, they got the and call wrong, and then 10 seconds later they take Brock off <laughs> and Alvin just like – that's well, your makeup call. I think Mike Sullivan, along the line, said, "I'm effing embarrassed for you on the you bench." Know, I thought, you, as you always
1: say, Adam, you wish you could have thrown the bench on the ice. It's funny because as soon as, as soon as you realized what happened with the penalty call on the Islanders, where the Penguins went on the power play, I almost tweeted, "The Penguins better score in the first ten seconds of this power play because it's going to be a very short power play." The, the even up call is, and then, then they scored right off the faceoff. So and then the even up came literally off the next face off. Like it it was still 10 seconds of game time later, but the Penguins were lucky enough to get the the game tying goal in there. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I I understand like human nature, you feel bad, you, you got the call wrong and you messed it up, but I don't think making a second bad call makes it better like sometimes bad sometimes you miss something sometimes bad calls happen sometimes bad plays happen sometimes you just got to let it be that i i think when you make uh, another egregiously bad call and, and do so intentionally like the first one okay we just messed it up we missed it it's a mistake but to intentionally make and that's what it is it's intentionally making a second bad call is just outrageous to me and 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 we just let it, the league just let it go. It's, it's crazy.
0: I mean, this is why I just, I would love if the officials were made available to the media after the game to answer for this kind of stuff, but the NHL is never going to do that because,
1: well, it's just. Every other sports league does it. Any time there's a controversy, even even if they, even if they just let one pool reporter go and question them, there's still somebody there where the, yeah. where the official can at least give his perspective and say, you know what, this is what I saw. He can either defend it, double down on it, or say, you know what, I screwed up. It happens. Um, But the NHL won't even give us that. They just tell us it's a tough job, and you know, deal with it. (laughs) Basically,
0: I don't. I don't get it. I never have. You know, I I always say, you know, best sport, worst league, and you know, it's just it's on display. I think almost all the time. But um, stick around for our last segment. For this podcast, we're going to go into some playoff talk and a little bit more so that's coming up right after this commercial break. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, Hunter Hodes. So, Adam, you know, the Penguins, they're just about there. Magic number is three. They win tonight, they're officially in. And then, but, you know, we've been looking at possible playoff opponents for a while. And right now, I think it's between one of three. I I can say three. If the Rangers do pass uh, Carolina, they're two points back. But it's probably down to two. The New York Rangers, you're going on the road to Madison Square Garden. Or you're going to go to the second wild card spot because the Washington Capitals are playing really well right now. But they also have a really tough schedule down the stretch, to say the least. Um, of those two teams, is do, would you have a preference for the Penguins to play? Because, you know, for me, it's, it's tough either way. You know, the Rangers, they play a style that's, I think, more defensive. They're, they're going to make the Penguins work for everything. Igor Shosturkin's been the best goaltender in hockey this year. Though, you know, could a regression be coming? Who knows? Florida, they're deep at forward. Defensively, if they get Aaron Ekblad back, that's going to be even more insane. But in goal, Sergei Bobrovsky is not that good. And he is melted down in the Penguins constantly in a couple of series. Just would you have a preference as to who the Penguins will play? Or is it kind of just pick your poison?
1: I mean, the Eastern Conference playoffs this year are gonna be so tough. There's yep. not there there's not an easy matchup at any point. I, I don't think there's a result in any of the potential first round matchups that would surprise me or be a huge upset because every team is that good. Um the Ranger three weeks ago I would have said the Rangers are definitely my pick because I think the Penguins were a much better team than that. Same year. Um the thing the Rangers had going for them is, as you said, Igor Shosturkin, who's phenomenal. Um, and he did hit a little bit of a lull there over the past couple of weeks, but I think he's starting to get back on track a little bit. Um, you know, he, he's just incredible. But the trade deadline additions the Rangers made have really changed them for me. I think they're a much better team. And I, yeah. I think the supporting cast around Shosturkin is a lot better now. And um you know they had they, they added Andrew Copp and Frank Fratrano and they're playing them in the top six their top six was already good and those two guys just make it that much better but now they have the two kids on the third line Lafreniere and, and uh, Capo Caco. and those two guys are wild cards they have a ton of potential they have a ton of talent if they put it together and I think both of them have shown signs of doing that this season that's a game changer for them because you know, how many teams have recent number one and number two overall picks that they can put on their third line for the playoffs with that type of talent? And if those guys put it together with the top six they have, they have Adam Fox on defense, they have the best goalie in the league this season in net, that's going to be a really tough team. And, and if you look at their numbers since the trade deadline, they've been one of the best teams in the league. And I know they haven't really played the toughest schedule since then, Um They've played two playoff teams in the past, like, I think 12 games. They played the Penguins three times and they played Carolina. They beat the Penguins all three times and they gave Carolina a really good game the other night. They're really good. They're going to be a tough team. I know I shouldn't feel this way, but Florida does not scare me as much as they should on paper. I know their offense is incredible. I know their style of play is really difficult to defend. They're very aggressive on the forecheck. They are very talented. They are very fast. They have probably the best offense the league has seen in almost 30 years. They're, they're averaging almost like four and a half goals per game this season. It's just unheard of. I don't trust their goaltending. And in the playoffs, that's the X factor. That's the thing that can make or break you. And <clears> – <throat> If I'm going into a best of seven series, I want to play the worst goalie. And the Florida Panthers have by far the worst goalie. And not only has has Bobrovsky had playoff meltdowns against the Penguins and in general, he has been really bad for the past two or three months now. They are, they're winning a lot of games, seven to six, six to five. They're not getting good goaltending from him. I think every year there's one team that goes out way earlier than people think and i think this season florida is going to be that team because they don't have the goaltending and that's why that that's why i'm not really stressing like oh my the penguins might fall into a wild card spot i don't necessarily think that's a bad matchup look you're gonna have to beat these teams anyway if you want to go to the stanley Cup. you're gonna have that's why i I, i'm really and not sweating playoff matchups that much, because if you want to get there, you got to beat these teams at some point. Um, And I'd rather get a team like Florida early in the playoffs when you're fresh, when you're healthy, before you've gone through two rounds of getting the snot kicked out of you, play them when you're at your best, play them when you're healthiest and take your chances. The goaltending goes your way. So um, I think either way, it's going to be tough, but if they do get Florida, I don't think it's it's necessarily the end of the world. I think what you want to really avoid is you want to avoid the Rangers passing Carolina and you staying in the three spot and having to play Carolina. That's the matchup that I would want nothing to do with, because I think Carolina is the most complete team in the East. They have no weakness. Um, Their forwards are great. Their defense is great. And they're getting, they they, they not only have, great goaltending from Freddie Anderson this season. They have a really good backup at Anthony Ron. They have, they have two really good goalies. So that's the team that I think you want to avoid at all costs early on because I don't think they can beat Carolina in a best of seven series.
0: Carolina I felt like was the team for a lot of for all the teams at Eastern Conference that the Penguins have played this year. I think that's the team that's really just pissed them off the most just because they can't They've outplayed
1: played them the most. They've outplayed them the most. Them the
0: yeah, I yeah. I agree. I mean, like, even the Rangers games. I mean, first one, okay. Maybe a little bit of the 50-50 with the penguins got the power play goal. Second one, they got blown out, whatever. Yeah. Third one was a true coin flip. It just went the Rangers' way. The fourth one.
1: And I don't I don't even think they played that bad the fourth game.
0: It were I mean, they were all right. Yeah,
1: it just, yeah, they, just I mean, they didn't have um they, they were they, they've been sick. They, they, yeah, yeah, they weren't expect they, they they expected to have Crosby. they didn't have him. And what are you gonna do? You know? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers are going to be tough. I mean, I could absolutely see the Rangers winning that series. Oh yeah, but I could all I could also see the Penguins winning that series. Just like I could see the Penguins beating Florida. I'm having a tough time envisioning them beating Carolina. I really am. So I I think if you to rank the potential first round matchups in terms of most favorable to least favorable, I think Florida and New York are a toss up. I think Carolina is in a class all of its own of a, a void.
0: Yeah, no, no. I, I I, think I would agree with that. I mean, you know, sure, if you win that series against Florida, you have to play the winner of Boston-Toronto. That's just going to be the memes anyway. I mean, I just – I want to see what I happens. don't
1: hate that matchup either, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. The, the Penguins were great against Toronto this year, and I don't think Boston's that good. Like, I, I know Bo- – Boston's
0: I- weird because of Bergeron shutting down Crosby. That's the one that really – Scares me just Boston, because I think that's the team that the Penguins haven't really beaten in a playoff series in the Sid Geno area yet. That I think I would love to see happen.
1: Boston is so weird for me because they are a legitimately good defensive team. They're great defensively, and, and they have they have you know four really high end forwards: Bergeron, Marshawn, Posternock, Taylor Hall. I, I would even include Craig Smith, who when he's on on his game, it's a really good two way player. So they have a lot of talent. Their depth isn't very good, and I don't think their goaltending is very good. And they have the worst record in the league among playoff teams against other playoff teams. And against the other top teams in the league, they've been crushed this year. So I, don't, I have no idea what to think of Boston. Um, but, yeah, if you, get, if you get Florida in the first round and you beat them and then you get the winner of Boston-Toronto in the second round – I think that's probably your best possible path. I really do.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's tough either way. I mean, this is a gauntlet. That's yeah. that's the way I, I look at it. You know, we've known who the playoff teams are going to be for four months. <laughs> I, I would say. I mean, the team that maybe gives me the most pause is the Capitals, but I mean, they're also still pretty decent. They're playing really good hockey. Um, as of late. So, you know, maybe they beat Carolina. Well, if they get Carolina around one, I mean, kind of good luck if you get that. Um, The Rangers series, that would, I think, be interesting there too. But, you know, I think, you know, before we wrap up here, Adam, just want your thoughts on this. You know, everyone's going to be having their eyes on the goaltender, Christian Jari. You know, this is this is what a redemption story is all about here. You've been great for most of the regular season. They're resting him a little bit to try to get him back on track. The playoffs are three weeks away. If you're not playing well, there's going to be even more questions going into the offseason. How do you assess this going into the playoffs? Because, I mean, if they do get the Rangers, it's such a tall task to outplay Shesterkin. I don't know if Tristan has it in him. I'm way more confident that he can outplay Sergei Bobrovsky, to say the least. Um, He is my biggest X-factor, and I think rightfully so, because he has to play better than he did last year.
1: Yeah, and... I have a lot more confidence in him this year than I did last year, but I am a little concerned. I think that his plays kind of dipped a little bit the past couple weeks. And the, the fact that they've given Casey to Smith two straight starts tells you the coaching staff thinks that way too. I don't know if it's just keeping him fresh, man, like, you know, time management type of thing, but I want to see him kind of get back to where he was earlier in the year. I think he's kind of slipped a little bit. I think that's been a, an underrated part of their slide here the past, you know, couple of weeks he's only won one of his last seven starts. Yeah, and his save percentage is under 900 in those games. So, I mean, he has he has been kind of trending in the wrong direction here a little bit. And I think you put it very well that I trust him to outplay Sergei Bobrovsky. I don't know if I trust him to outplay Igor Shesterkin. and I, that that's a huge X factor um i want to see him have some good starts here down the stretch going into the playoffs not only to build his confidence back up but to make me more confident in him as well
0: yeah no i I would agree with that for sure you know i'm excited to see you know i'm sure he'll get the start tonight i think sullivan talked to the media i think he announced him as the starter and then it looks like brian russell and rodriguez are game time decisions hopefully no one else is getting this stomach bug or Whatever the heck it's been, I feel like over half the team um yeah has had you know, it in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been definitely weird. You know, I think I think part of that is definitely uh, I was almost I almost screwed that up. Um, I think their dip in play can be a little bit attributed to that for sure, because yeah. I think there are some players that have not been missing games that are definitely sick. Yeah.
1: So that's just and not I, I also games. think I also think the, the dip in play has been kind of over exaggerated a little bit you go back to the that three game stretch against Minnesota and Colorado those two games there they were coming off a really good stretch going into those games I think they were like nine two and two ahead of like going into those games they out I thought they outplayed call they, they outplayed Colorado in both games I think they really did especially the game in Colorado they very easily could have won both of those games. I think sure. they probably should have won the first game. The game in Minnesota was probably their best win of the season. And not only the fact that they beat the hottest team in the league in their building in a very impressive way, but they did it shorthanded that night, losing Jason Zucker early in the game. And then, you know, at that point, you're feeling pretty good about them. I think it's only been the past four or five games where they've really, like, struggled. So, is it just a blip on the radar? Is it the sign of you know trending in the wrong direction? I think that remains to be seen. I, I think we become prisoners of the moment sometimes and only focus on what happened most recently instead of the big picture. So, you know, well, I, okay. I think the I think some of the struggles have been a little exaggerated.
0: Yeah, and well, I can definitely tell you that the fan base is going to overreact to basically anything, even if it's oh, just yeah. a couple losses. That's just yeah, you know, that's 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 what fans that's, do. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the Penguins fan base for you. But, um, Adam, I appreciate your time, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. In case some people somehow do not follow you on social media for all of your, especially your bar stories and all of your stadium stories, which are just hilarious. Um, of course, your hockey takes are, that trumps all that. But um, tell tell all the listeners where they can follow you on social media.
1: I uh, follow me on Twitter at agrepps and uh, find me on uh, NBC Sports, Pennsburg, Yard Barker, all those places. So
0: perfect. Yep. So he will be back on the show. Don't worry. Um, you know that's just that 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 is the reality of the situation. I'm. Um, we have to have you on for a playoff game or something like that. But again, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. I'll have another episode on Friday to recap the game against the Islanders and we'll see if the Penguins can finally clinch their playoff spot tonight. Even though they've basically been in for four months. So I'll talk to you all then.